you're listening to the Kicking and Screaming Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Vanessa Guerrero. I'm your other host, Elijah Taylor. And uh, joining us today is someone I've been so excited to have on, y'all. Uh, they are an amazing creative artist and the host of the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club. Please give it up for Devon Taylor. Thank you, thank you. Me and uh, me and Elijah might be secret cousins in the in the Taylor right. clan. Oh, Who knows? That's true. I have where. I got the name it's from a, my dad. I know none of that side of the family. So we, we could legitimately be half-brothers. I have no <laughs> idea. We, we could. We have no idea. But, uh, yeah, thank you for having me. Um, definitely. Uh, I caught on to the podcast uh, not too long ago, but I've been following you online for for over a little while. Just uh, all the various internet things I've seen you pop up in, Vanessa. So, like, very Aww. excited. And I feel like our yeah tastes will definitely uh, be overlapping, as as you'll see with our pairing today. Uh, yeah. I know like as soon as I looked you up and I saw bloody blunts so I was like subscribe uh, <laughs> that's so so deeply up my alley um, and uh, and of course y'all are in the uh, green hair club which hell yeah that's true yeah we are in the green hair club this is the um, it's the green hair phase for me mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very much a Ramona flowers type I do it like every two months it's like a different color mm -hmm. but in but I'm always in the green club uh, literally uh, that's what the the podcast is basically about is like I get very stoned while we record these podcasts and uh, definitely kind of changes my perception on horror and subgenre and stuff. So that's like where the basis of Bloody Blunts came from. I like that a lot. I uh, I'm a big fan of uh, the like I, I I don't know if it's reductive to like call it like a gimmick necessarily, but like the uh, structure of reviewing something like under the influence of something is always like novel to me but i also think like legitimate and like i i don't know i like that change in perception yeah like you can like uh i say you know it kind of like opens up a third eye sometimes like i know certain people you know can't watch movies while under the influence because it like you know might just make them extra sleepy or you mm -hmm. know whatever but like i'm a very functional stoner and i like kind of require you know like weed on like a daily basis like just for my personal reasons so it's like i'm Same. very functional so it's like like for me now like when i watch movies like like completely sober it's just like it's not the same i'm not like m my gears aren't turning as much and like my brain's elsewhere you know it's like when i'm when i'm high like I, i'm melted into the movie you know yeah, no i i feel that i'm almost the opposite i know vanessa is a very like also like high functioning big time uh, baby yeah. <laughs> yes I, I am uh i i can't i smoke like a little bit and i cannot interact with another human person and i'm very much just like i gotta like wrap myself in a blanket and not function for the rest of the night uh but i do really enjoy watching movies uh in that state because i do feel like it's it's so much more like experiential and immersive i do feel very much like okay i'm a part of this narrative now yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very cool i love that now i'm actually thrilled to talk about the movie you brought today because this is one that i adore but elijah hasn't seen and i haven't found a way to like in introduce it like organically where it's like hey this is a fun thing to watch tonight so why don't you let us know what you brought to the table this week yeah i'm i'm super excited to talk about this one um again i host a horror podcast so i went with a horror movie uh pick for mine and it's a movie like I don't know when I'll get to it on my podcast, but it's like I've always like just want to gush about this movie. Um, it's very like when, when I try to describe to people how horror movies can be fun. 
in like a weird demented way mm-hmm. like this is like a good movie that i would pick for it so uh, my and it, and it's you know kind of controversial and uh people's opinions on it since yeah. it is a uh, a, a reinterpretation of a classic. So my pick today is <laughs> 2013's Evil Dead, directed by Fetty Alvarez. Ooh. Oh my God. I adored this movie when it came out and I'm so happy that I like watched it again at a later time because I don't know if this was your experience but when I went to go see it I feel like I went with people that were just like kind of determined to hate it for the sake of it being a remake Mm -hmm. I didn't you know I had an interesting experience with it because I mean I had seen the original Evil Dead when I was younger at some point but Mm -hmm. I didn't really have a memory of it and then my freshman year of college one of my buddies um, he was, it's one of his favorite films of all time. So he, we had like a movie night where we watched the whole trilogy and, and I was watching it and then I was like, you know, like, I mean, I like this, this is fun. I can admire the gorilla filmmaking behind it. Mm-hmm. I was like, and, but I have a weird relationship with like horror comedies and like, mm-hmm. you know, with, if the tone just isn't what I think it should be for that particular film, then it like kind of just throws things off. So it's like, when I watched Evil Dead, I was like, I like this, but I want it to, I, I would have liked it to lean more horror. Right. So yeah. it was like, so my freshman year of college, when I like re had this reassessment that was like 2012, the year before this movie came out. And this was before I was like embedded into the internet and stuff. So I didn't know this movie was coming. So it was just like, I remember the trailer dropped and I was like, oh, hey, I wanted a more horror-esque Evil Dead <laughs> and I got it. There you so go. like. Yeah, so like I was, I was super pumped, and and I remember seeing it in theaters. It was a full theater, like the like it was just like it was that perfect like horror movie watching experience. You like yeah. felt that electricity and excitement, you, you know, the reactions like, that everyone's having. Yeah, and it feels like, like a communal experience. Yeah, like I'm not big on like audibly reacting when I'm in the theaters, you know, but like for certain movies, obviously, it's just like with this one, like people are cheering, they're clapping, like when yeah. people are just getting. Sprayed in the face with blood and getting puked on. It's just like, like people were having such a good time, and then and it was just like kind of satisfying of just being like, oh hey, like this is exactly like what I wanted from this. And then you know, and it's like a, a good example of like, even though this is what it is, it is technically a sequel, but it's like there's two very different things, and this is a prime example of being like, hey, just because a remake or reinterpretation exists doesn't mean like the old one doesn't have a place anymore. Like it's just like, depending on your mood, which evil dead do you want to watch? You know? Yeah. Which I think is super valid. And I think it's a weird, uh, sort of like anti remake, uh, sentiment that, you know, I hear all the time. That's like, Oh, it's going to like ruin this thing that I love. And it's like, no, that still exists. Like you can still enjoy that in a vacuum. And I like, I never really understand the, you know, like, Oh, any like reinterpretation or reboot or sequel, like, you know, we'll, we'll destroy this thing that I care about. And like, I, I guess sometimes with sequels, maybe because like, if you're you, like continuing a story that should have finished, then you're like, I have to accept that as part of the story. Yeah. But like, you know, like a remake, eh, just a different thing. Well, and like, this is a completely unrelated genre, but like a lot of my like favorite things that like are remade, I like, because it's really interesting watching them Watching certain stories, especially when it's just, like, a story that can, like, fit anywhere but can change depending on, like, modernization, like, 
forgive me for it not being a horror one, but I've seen every single star is born uh, <laughs> like 30 <laughs> times each, every single one. And I have like my different orders, Barbara Streisand number one. Um, but like, I feel when it comes to remakes, 90% of the time, I'm going to like a horror remake better than any genre because oftentimes the people that take on these remakes actually understand the subject matter that they're taking on. Right. They're it, usually fans. They're yeah, usually they're fans. fans. Yeah. They love it. They they know why it works. And a lot of the times they're not trying to like remake something where it's just the same thing twice or they're like spin on a different character. It's usually from a, from a fan perspective. And it isn't like... As, as hollow as a lot of other remakes from different genres t- try to be, which is why I love this Evil Dead so much because it does pay homage and it like does understand the franchise, but it is a really mm. fresh perspective. Yeah. yeah. Like it's, yeah, that's exactly like my thing. Like I'm always for a reinterpretation, a remake. Like if it's either, you know, updating for modern technology or it's going to change the tone a little bit or, you know, or like expand in within the universe, you know, if it has one of those good reasons, then I'm all for it. And like what I like about this one too, it's like Fetty Alvarez, like he's definitely a fan of Evil Dead and of Sam Raimi. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like I really liked like while I was going back through and like looking at interviews and behind the scenes stuff, like he he definitely like pays his respect, but like he's also like not kissing Sam Raimi's ass either. Like he's like, Yeah, no, like his thing is good, but like, okay, I'm totally gonna do something different. And it was right. his his conv- his narrative was very focused on like, hey, like I wanna show what my interpretation would be of something that I do admire, but like I'm I'm not gonna sit here and do like, you know, a homage after homage in the film and stuff and like you know, there's not like too many purposeful winks to the camera like in in his version, you know, he's not trying to do that. It's just like very much like, hey, I think this is a cool thing and I'm gonna do it my way. Yeah, I agree. It's someone who had like a clear a clear vision, uh, you know, and like knows what they are good at as opposed to trying to imitate something. I also uh having, you know, just seen it for the first time, uh I skipped it the first time around because uh I, I think it was a, a combination of like for as much as I'm always uh in the camp of like, yeah, let people remake stuff because, you know, it doesn't hurt anything to have another version of it. Uh it was one that I was like, eh, I don't know if like I need that remake. Like cool that it exists i'll watch it at some point but like i do you know Mm -hmm. really love the originals uh and it was one that i was just like yeah no like i you know i'm pretty happy with the version i have so i'm not like rushing out to see it and then i think that i had uh like a few friends that went to see it and like you know came away from it like with really negative opinions uh i think you know similar to what vanessa described people who were like just kind of ready to they be, went in ready to hate it yeah just like mm-hmm. oh this is a thing that's important to me and it shouldn't be touched so i hate this uh but you know at the time it was like i heard negative feedback wasn't uh rushing out to see it anyway so i was like yeah yeah i'll, I'll get to it eventually uh but now like having watched it uh one first off like i love it it's amazing i'm definitely yeah. going to watch it many times in the future it's uh, such a just so I hate so using fun. feel good, but you know, I don't hate using it. it. It's a feel good ass movie. <laughs> no, uh, it is like 100%. Like if I need something to like put me in a good mood or if I'm like working on something and like need something like, you know, entertaining in the background, like it's always this movie because yeah. like something about just like it fills me with joy watching this chaos, you know, the way that it 
the way that unfolds. So like it it is a feel good movie in like the strangest way. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I'm I'm such a sucker for like practical gore. So anything that's like relentless in its like practical gore set pieces, I'm you know pretty pretty into. Uh, uh, with the exception of like some of like the Eli Roth stuff, because there's no. Sorry, mm-hmm. side tangent. I feel like he never <laughs> gives you he never gives you a reason to care about the cool gore, but like, you know, this is right in that sweet spot of every set piece. I'm like, yes. It's like I love every character and I love the shit out of the gore. Yeah. But no, I I would say like having just seen it, this is the super rare like reboot remake that to me is like amazing and stands on its own but also strengthens the original. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're taking like you're taking the situation and by by like you know repeating it with this like ensemble cast uh like you you get the same scenario and it's not a horror comedy anymore it doesn't lean into the slapstick like i laugh at parts but it's not you know what evil dead and evil dead 2 especially an army of well and you can't do bruce campbell twice right you can't do bruce campbell twice but something about showing like here's how a different cast of characters reacts in the same situation and like suddenly it's not funny and it's like more upsetting and more horrifying and like just feels a little darker. It mm-hmm. honestly strengthens the character of Ash because you're like, oh, this was a unique story that was being told. It was only like funny and slapstick because you put this specific weirdo into that situation. That little himbo yeah. just in that but, cabin and so made like, it funny. <laughs> replaying it with another cast of characters and it's not, it doesn't have the slapstick element. You're like, oh, this makes me appreciate Ash even more in like that uniqueness. And so I honestly yeah. think it's like, like improves all of it, the entire franchise. But yeah, like while, while I was taking my notes, like that was something I kind of uh, hooked onto more on this, like most recent rewatch was like, the way that Alvarez like explained it as how this is a continuation. He was like, the things that you're seeing that you feel are coincidences, like in similarities between the two films, they're not coincidences, but he, he treats evil dead as a, as a like cursed ghost story. So it's like, no matter what people go to this cabin, the same situation is just going to happen inevitably. Like people are going to fall into it. So regardless of if you have, like you said, like quirky Bruce Campbell, or you have a heroin addict in this to where I like the, you know, the little bit of story that's like, they didn't try to overdo the story or anything. You know, they were like, we'll, we'll give you enough as we need. But then, you know, once the, once the blood starts flowing, who cares? Exactly. You know, so now, so it's like the the way he approached the the continuation aspect, I find like super interesting. Yeah, I love that. Now, you, uh, we mentioned this a little bit earlier, but like you know, clearly it's not like what was happening before, where it's just like we have like one lead that's going to carry it through it, and it's an ensemble. But we do have like you know, who's who's the person that survives? Um, for those who haven't seen the re- remake, which we highly recommend that you do, um, why don't you quickly break down the the synopsis for us? Yeah, like, so with this one, um, we have Mia, played by Jane Levy, who's, like, you know, kind of a, one of our modern screen queens. She pops up in the genre quite often. Yeah. Uh, Shiloh Fernandez, and Shiloh Fernandez, her brother, he also pops up in, like, genre fair quite often. But um, it sets them up that they are going out to the remote cabin, not for a vacation of booze and sex, like yeah. usual. They're like, no, 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 we're trying to... Um, help me uh she's a heroin addict and they want to um 
she wants to go cold turkey. I gotta keep her on the cabin for the three days, like while the uh, withdrawals. While so she the goes tone is much more somber. Yeah. so dour like and you and you very much feel it in the cinematography too it's like everything is just very gray and shadowy mm-hmm. has this little texture to it like they shot it digitally but they did all these like interesting camera tricks to like kind of make it feel um a little bit like it feels put some a little film, film texture yeah, yeah. something yeah something that i really like also about like just from the introduction of these characters uh as you pointed out it's like they're not you know, kids going up there for like a wild party weekend, which, you know, we're so used to in like genre stuff where it's like, oh, we're picking them off one by one. But like, you know, not only is it a more serious uh, reason that they're there, they're all like kind of older characters. They're not the classic tropes of like, I'm the jock with my varsity jacket. Like, I'm the funny stoner. Like one of them is a teacher, you know, they're all like kind of like further along, like in their paths in life. And I kind of you know, I like that as someone who like grew up, grew up with Evil Dead, seeing this as an adult, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, this is everyone like, my age is now the people at the cabin. Yeah, like <laughs> the, the movie's grown up with us, which I enjoy. They're like they're like the next Pokemon evolution from like the tropey yep. characters. <laughs> like they're, it's still the same tropey characters. It's just the next stage that we don't get to see because they die when they're so young, typically. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like. <laughs> For a second, I thought you meant Pokemon trainers die so young. I was like, I'm not super familiar with Pokemon. What happened in the new series? I'm sure there's some dark fanfic in that corner somewhere. Like, absolutely dangerous life. But, um, but yeah, like it's definitely a more dour, somber tone. Again, like I like horror comedy when the tone meshes with me personally. You Mm -hmm. know, but like, um, but I do like just like a, a film that's just like I mean, it's soaked in dread. Because, like, you're you're already invested in the characters and, like, you know, they want to get her off drugs. And you can sense the tension that they're not as connected as they used to be. And, you know, so it's, like, there's all these, like, different character dynamics. And then they also use the, like, you know, her going crazy from the withdrawals to also kind of feed into, like, later when she's possessed by the entity. Then they're, like, are, you, are we sure she's possessed or is she just, like, going crazy right now? You know, yeah. so it, like, kind of adds a little uh, wrinkle no. there, too, that I found interesting. Yeah, no, I, I love that entire dynamic because, like, it, again, it's, like, a, a very, you know, familiar horror trope. But, like, this is a really fun uh, way to present it or just, like, fresh, uh, you know, way to spin it. That you always have the character who, in the first act, nobody believes. You know, yep. there's the protagonist who's, like, pleading with everyone, like, no, I saw, you know, a ghost or a slasher. Like, Michael Myers, he's right out there. But we so rarely get a reason not to believe them. Right. You're, you're kind of just like, these characters are all terrible. Like, why won't they listen to, you know, their friend or their, you know, daughter mm-hmm. or whoever it is? And, you know, the fact that it's immediately established, like, oh, she's going through withdrawals. The last time she did not handle this well. Like, you know, that we have a reason to be suspect of her motives it's she's you, OD'd before and yeah and so it like helps with the suspension of disbelief but also like as a person who has been at varying times in my life that person that like might have less credibility you know for whatever reason ding right here yeah <laughs> it's like more yep. effectively horrifying just like a believable situation in which your closest friends and family are like yeah maybe you should just get some rest and you're like no someone's trying to kill us yeah because i've been the addict friend that like nobody believes because you know like when it at a certain point everyone's just like kind of tired of you saying that you're gonna get your shit together for like the 11th mm-hmm. thousandth mm-hmm. time in a 
row. So like, that's also been something that I've like had the terror of where it's just like, fuck, what if they don't believe me this time around? And then she has this additional layer. So she like plays the terror of that. And then like, not mm-hmm. really like trusting anyone getting near her in that beginning part. So well, she is eating up every scene when she's just like wide eyed and shaking. I love it. Oh yeah. And again, it's like the, the, the cycle of an addict, you know, mm-hmm. plays into the, the movie of the cycle of this curse that it's just like, again, it's just things that are inevitably going to happen. It, it kind of keeps just like coming around the exact same thing. So it's like, taking the addict and then like playing it into the evil dead curse along with it. And uh, Jane Levy, yeah, she absolutely kills it. Um, Interestingly enough, it was supposed to be Lily Collins was supposed to play Mia, uh, which I would have been into. I love Lily Collins, but uh, Jane Levy. uh, Yeah. Definitely adds like a real, uh, you know, layer to it with uh, the scare scene whenever, after she's uh, been attacked in the woods, and she's in the in the bedroom and we just have a scene of her yes. describing yes. what she's seeing and she's looking in the corner and like not blinking and the way she's delivering lines. And it's like you're waiting for the jump scare. You're waiting to see what she's seeing, but you don't. You just get it. The terror from wow. her acting. And it's, it's such a like haunted performance. I'm really glad that you mentioned that scene specifically because it confirms for me that that was like a standout scene because yeah. I was like that is that like, like an- bare whisper that she does. Yeah, incredible yes. performance and just like really chilling scene and even down to like the brother just kind of being like yeah, well, I don't believe you. <laughs> it's, it's so upsetting. It's a beautiful scene. Uh and then eventually uh it becomes Evil Dead. <laughs> And then, then the when the the mayhem truly starts happening, like it, it it's funny because like it takes that tonal twist, like right whenever um, Mia pukes all over Olivia's face, and like that's <laughs> yes. when you're like you're like okay, that right there, that's an Evil Dead signature. We're getting goopy, we're getting nasty, mm-hmm. and like that's when like the Evil Dead like truly like kicks off into gear and like when it just gets going like this movie has this like such great momentum like you know it's like uh you know pacing is a big thing for horror movies and can truly kill it and it's like this one it's perfect the way that it you know slowly ramps up and then like once it hits a point it it just doesn't slow down until the end of the movie and i love that yeah because like a big signature of evil dead whether it be comedy or horror and like this is both the original trilogy and also the remake is they all go at like a breakneck pace once the Necronomicon comes into play. Like almost like as you're like flipping through pages and you're just like, it's another thing and another thing. It's very much like what plays onto the screen and it's like the signature of it where it's like once it starts, it doesn't stop and you're just kind of on board for the rest of the ride. And like from the second the like vomit starts, it's just like, one after another of just like incredible prosthetic set piece like kill scene like it's it's non-stop and like they do such a good job at the first half setting up everything you need to know when it comes to new information mm-hmm. um uh, in, in a way that doesn't feel like too expositional where it's just like we're gonna give you everything that you need so that you know like all right you know this has happened once before she's survived an overdose this is what this person's deal is this is what this dynamic is and gas pedal yeah yeah 
it's like they do just enough. Like, I mean, it's like it makes sense for Eric since he's the teacher and he's like a history teacher or something. So it's like, okay, why is anybody going to read from the book? Uh, well, yeah. he's a curious teacher guy. So, I mean, it's like, eh, it, like it, it's loose enough to where I'm like, fine. Yeah, he's dumb enough to read the book. Exactly. I do have to say though, this was uh I, I don't know why this was the one, uh, despite having like watched, you know, countless horror movies through my entire life and always being like, uh, oh, look at these idiots making the bad horror movie decision. I don't know if it was if it was something about like, you know, the the characters being kind of aged up or like certain parts of the narrative feeling more relatable to me because like I I was not the kid that was like partying in a cabin all weekend with a bunch of like crazy friends like i was i was was very much the kid who was staying at home alone watching horror movies uh so you know like those situations were not uh as relatable to me so i don't know Mm -hmm. what it was about this viewing where i was like really putting myself in the mindset of these characters and the way they come across the book where it's like and and first of all, they see they they find like a kind of cellar under the like a hidden basement under the cabin through a trap door, and there's tons of like dismembered cats hanging from the ceiling. Yeah, and the smell. Yeah. Mia kept like referencing the smell when she was going through the withdrawals, and they just kept being like, "Oh, you're just being sensitive." She's like, "No, something smells dead." And then we find yeah. out it's cats. This is wave of like decomposing animals. And they get down there and they're like, oh, it seems like something supernatural, like some kind of witchcraft is happening. And I'm like, I would assume this was a serial killer's cabin. Like, I would not go to the supernatural <laughs> thing. And then they, they find, a you know, a book that's like wrapped in black and like barbed wire. And I mean, it, <laughs> he had to go through so much effort to open this book, but just goes, yeah, I'm a, I, I need in this. <laughs> that's the thing is I realized as we're watching it that Vanessa's like, dude, don't open it. Don't read from the book. I'm like, yo, 100%. If I'm at a cabin and I find some fucked up shit that you looks are, like. You would be. You. I, if oh. I see, like, it looks like a serial killer was here and this is his weird serial killer diary. I'm like, I'm 100% reading this. Uh, and then even like he, the, 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 so pages, be you. the pages they show from the book in this one are so cool. Like the illustrations of like horrible demonic stuff and scenes of torture and like the end of the world. I'm like, this book is rad as hell. I would read all of this. And I would assume that it was like a cool ARG that I was like signing up for. I'd be like, oh, damn, I don't know what viral marketing campaign this is, but I'm so into it. It is pretty rad. Like, I like that they have like a mixture of like the pictures and like the stuff in different languages. And then like some of it is trans just like little notes are like transcribed like in the margins. So I like that it's uh, annotated uh, Necronomicon and kind of has a different Mm -hmm. look to it than the original. Apparently, they couldn't put a face on it because of like trademark issues with the with the series. I don't know how that works. That's why it doesn't have a face on it for this one. Is that also why they don't use the word Necronomicon? Because they like yes, it's never like referenced. That makes sense. Although I like that in a way because then it just feels like the it makes the book feel like this like ancient thing that's had a million lives to where it's just like Mm -hmm. Ash wasn't the only one that interacted with it. It feels like there's been exactly a mil every annotation feels like there's a bunch of stories that we haven't seen and it just and the fact that it even looks different where it's just like it's changing it's adapting it's moving to like to to newer victims and and making itself like still more enticing no matter how much you try and like 
keep someone out. So like, that's an aspect of it that I adore. Cause then it's like, how many more stories have we not seen? How many other victims have like come through? Right. Exactly. I was going to re- mention that cause we didn't mention, I, I mm. love me a good cold open and uh, the cold open yes. for this is really, really great. You see they're chasing a, a girl through the woods and you think like, Oh, she's the victim. She's getting chased by some backwoods hillbillies. But it turns out they're like trying to capture her because she's already been possessed, killing people, right. and they're about she... to, you know, take her out. So it's like, yeah, it makes you think, like, yeah, how many times has this happened? It doesn't tell you like what year that happened. Mm-hmm. It's like you can't really pinpoint what time frame the cold open takes place in. You know, is it yeah. was it was that before? You know, Ash and friends, or was right. that afterwards? You know, you you have no idea. But it just like kind of works either way. But it's just like how how this uh, curse just like kind of keeps perpetuating itself. And like, I think that's just like why he's, you know, so enticed to read the book too. It's just like, they describe it as like this force, you know, it's like, you know, how in cabin in the woods, they explain that dumb decision-making is made from a pheromone that comes through the vents. Well, it's like with this, it's like still that same concept, but it's like the Necronomicon just like kind of exudes this, this essence you know that kind of it kind of brings out everybody's flaws throughout the movie um that you kind of see as they like are overcome with uh, the deadite syndrome yeah which is another thing that i love about choosing to go with ensemble as opposed to just like one person that carries it through because like when you have that one person you know usually when it's like your bruce campbell's your icons it's because that person has like so much charisma on their own that they can like carry the thing on their shoulders and doing that twice almost never works doing that twice or just like trying to be like i'm gonna make my second Mm -hmm. you know my second person of this lineup it's it's usually just something that's just like a magical alchemy of like really good casting and like a great director actor relationship but in this case they gave us an ensemble which i love because a without realizing it you're looking at every person and being like well who's the new ash and they're like teasing everyone as they pick them off um but also you get to see everyone's different layered reactions to everything and the way they like work together and react to things and like discredit each other that you didn't really get before yeah it like yeah feels especially like more or less expendable you know like it, it doesn't feel like oh here's my lead and everyone else is there to like have a cool death scene you know like you're yeah kind of in it with all of them which i appreciate like even like because i know like people when they had their reactions to this like pretty much like loved the ensemble all together um the actor plays uh eric um he uh lou taylor pucci he's really great and um Benson and Moorhead Spring. You guys yeah. should watch That's that movie. That's where if I you recognize it, it from. Also, the the entire like setup for it. As soon as it started, I was like, "Oh, this makes me want to watch Resolution again." Uh, Benson yeah. Moorhead's first feature, which is about you know uh, trying to get someone clean cold turkey at a cabin and like yeah, great yep. Premise, great setup. Uh, yeah, like the ensemble all around is like really great. But like even when you think about like the character of Natalie, David's girlfriend, like mm-hmm. she doesn't really have much to do in the first half of it, but it makes sense in the situation because like she's her girlfriend that doesn't know the past friends doesn't know his sister she's the outsider. and she's just like right. kind of put in this awkward situation of like oh i'm gonna come with you to help get your sister off drugs like yeah it's a fun weekend but like you know so but then later it's like you feel <laughs> bad like, for her because she, 
yeah she's a yeah great supportive partner and then like she like once she starts you know getting mutilated like she ends up going through some shit and you like feel bad for her because you're like damn like she didn't even need to be there but she's still gonna (laughs) suffer like everybody else like that sucks (laughs) her deliveries are so good too because like the fact that i was not expecting her to get like the first like limb removal scene I wasn't expecting it to fall on Natalie. I totally thought it was either going to go on like Eric or the brother uh, David, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so like Natalie getting that scene where she had to like cut off her own hand. Uh, with like a turkey carver? With a like turkey carver. carving knife kind of thing? Yeah. Uh, not only did she sell the hell out of it and that beautiful prosthetic just like hanging on by a thread. But so like, good. Her delivery of that line legitimately made us cackle which was the uh i had to do it but i feel much, I better, feel much now. better now <laughs> yeah I, oh. that's that might be my favorite like moment in the film or in the whole movie just like i feel much better now and the arm is just falling <laughs> off oh it's oh beautiful. It's, it's such a like great frame like the way she's like standing and like I love that, um, you know, Fetty Alvarez stuck hard to the Chekhov's gun rule. Like, we see the turkey carver earlier in the movie. We see, mm-hmm. um, we see the nail gun that is gonna, that Natalie's gonna fuck people up with, with that nail gun. We see the crowbar. Like, we literally see all these, like, things that are gonna cause these characters much pain and suffering, like, you know, later in the movie, which I absolutely even, uh, love. Even, like, yeah, even the, like, iconic chainsaw they show it in an earlier scene uh where he's like in the shed and he has his little action montage where like you know previous evil deads this would have been the chainsaw moment and it's like he mm-hmm. sees it and moves it aside and you think it's just there to like lampshade it but then no, yeah use the chainsaw they still give you the payoff that you want they use the chainsaw and they use it with mia who like has this like glorious full circle moment that like again was like unexpected and so earned by the end of it yeah, I like how they did, you know, like how you had mentioned, like they kind of, when you see the ensemble cast, you sit there and think, yeah, who's gonna, who's the ash of this movie? And it's like, you know, they keep playing up like David, like how he's a coward and doesn't do anything. He's always run away. So it's like, okay, his redemptive arc is he's going to nut up and he's going to be the the final guy and like kick all the ass or like whatever. And then it's like he, you know, redeems himself a little bit, like does what he like needs to do. But then he ends up having to kill himself to save Mia. And then Mia, I love that, like after an entire movie of suffering, you know, now Mia gets to have her moment to like reclaim all the power and everything. And it's like it's so triumphant. The score just gets egregiously like more obnoxious throughout the movie which and it's perfect mm-hmm. um i i like the the third act of this movie raining blood you get the chainsaw like i mean this is what nice long shot about. that chainsaw scene too <laughs> yeah no, oh yeah I, like if if i wasn't sold already like the fact that it it, it kind of fakes you out because it's like he uh she she's possessed and the only way to like end the curse is uh to kill her through like these specific you know ritualistic ways like bury her alive or set her on fire or whatever and they you know kind of foreshadow it earlier that she overdosed and her heart stopped and she was brought Mm -hmm. back so he he rigs a little like homemade defibrillator he buries her like until her heart stops brings her back to life and it's like okay she technically died like the the curse is lifted we're all good 
and you feel like that's funny loophole <laughs> yeah yeah like it, it's weird that this you know ancient <laughs> demonic entity has loopholes like this but, you, know, you know willing to accept it uh but then like oh no the other friend uh eric i think his name is mm-hmm. uh like eric mm-hmm. is a deadite now and like you know you get this last kind of like michael myers jumping up at the end of the movie they they blow up the house and it's like okay that's the end and it feels very much like she's the survivor that's the end but then raining blood the last like demon that crawls up from the ground and fucking throws a truck at her like it goes <laughs> all out in the last like 10 minutes and i love it so Just much huge escalation because the thing is like we've covered this a little bit but this movie is like and i mean this in the best way possible it's uh delightfully mean-spirited <laughs> yes I-, I would describe it as like uh it's like splatter core is like like yes. it's so it's so just like again like, like egregiously violent and bloody uh, and and you still get shades of you know of the original flavor you know specifically two set pieces uh the first one in the bathroom with olivia and eric like, you know, mm-hmm. they're slipping and falling on the porcelain toilet and on the edges of sinks in the bathroom while, like, she's cutting her face open with a mirror slice. And, like, that scene, like, yeah. very much, like, it still feels like those, like, bumbling, you know, scenes, like, violent scenes from the original Evil Dead just without the comedy angle where it's just, like, straight pain. Where you're just like, oh, man, yeah, yeah. I've fallen in the bathtub and that hurts. Imagine, like the shit that they're doing and then the natalie set piece as well like she is just like demolishing david and eric with a crowbar and a nail gun and it's like it's comical how like people's arms take lots of abuse in this movie specifically Mm -hmm. lots of forearm damage going on like people are getting shot in with nails then eric's like hand gets split open with the crowbar like it's like comical violence, just but without the comedy to it. But right. the way that it's portrayed, it still feels fun. It's it, like, like if Tom and Jerry was starting two dudes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like it, it is slapstick just without the cues. Like it, the movie just trusts that horror fans will know to laugh at the right moment. Yeah, <laughs> like, where it's like you'll feel this. And like I think it's also why I really loved the Mia fake out. Uh, becoming more like gory in the end where, you know, she gets her arm pinned under the tractor after like this raining blood scene. And like, she's just out of reach from the chainsaw. And like, they keep teasing like, all right, it's going to be like Ash. She's going to cut her hand off with a chainsaw just like Ash. And then has that fucking moment. And it's so much worse than Ash cutting his hand (laughs) off with a chainsaw because she just rips it. She just rips it off. And it's so mean. And yeah, like, shoot. Oh, good. Oh, I was just say, yeah, like it's it, that's so powerful. Like, I mean, just yeah. the 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 sheer will you have to have to be able to do that, like to be able to rip your arm off like that, and like and shout out to Natalie too. Like when she cut her arm off, like she did it with no hesitation. Like she went for it like a champ, and like just like that that. But when Mia does it, it's like it's such a moment. But then it's like they don't do the comicalness of like oh how, is she gonna stick the chainsaw onto her stub no she's still gonna just wield it how you would if you were missing an arm and it's still satisfying yeah. the same way but like the the choice to like end the movie with like raining blood she rips her arm off she chainsaws the last you know 
dead-eyed or entity or whatever she sticks the chainsaw into its mouth and holds it there for like a really long time nice extended (laughs) shot just real juicy yeah it's like such a such a like punctuation mark on the movie like if you had any uh uncertainty as to like okay like i think these scenes are like kind of inherently comical and actually like joyous and fun as a horror fan but you're like was that intentional it's like oh it definitely was the whole time yeah yeah it's the most metal ending you could have like it's it's just so metal it's just like i i love this movie like so much it's so good i also like we you know we we talked about it a little bit but this uh idea of just like you know different groups finding the necronomicon it does feel like it's like presenting us with this like kind of beautiful like uh parallel dimension version of things where like Bruce Campbell as Ash hadn't been like the super charismatic breakout star where like he is the face of the franchise. Mm-hmm. And instead we had just gotten evil dead as an anthology series, you know, which like, I think there's still room for, and I kind of love like, why are there not a dozen yeah. movies in this franchise about different people finding the Necronomicon? Because it's it, perfect. I 100% it's a good agree. Example. I 100% yeah, like, agree. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, and I I'm I love Ash. I'm a, you know, huge fan, but like it it is almost unfortunate that the face of the the franchise or like the core element was not Necronomicon, this book, but was instead like Chainsaw Hand, you know? Yeah. Yeah, cuz I think the book itself and like the structure that the curse takes is something that I so want to see like different takes and perspectives on because you could just go through like every kind of horror protagonist and every single one responds to it differently. Like you could take like a girl, like you could take a a group of sorority sisters into that cabin and see what happens. You can like, Mm -hmm. you could, you could flip it and take it into like a couple on their like last leg of like trying to take a romantic vacation, but they like, are clearly like about to break up if you want to get real A24 with it. Give me, like, give me like some Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, like businessmen on a, on yes. a retreat for the weekend. There, <laughs> I mean, there are so many possibilities. I mean, three words for you Evil Dead Christmas. I mean, it's ah! all there. It's so all good. there. Like, I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm, all, I'm really, I'm really fascinated <laughs> with franchises and like the way that they work out and like, Especially in today's modern age, I'm, like, still surprised, like, we don't have more attempts at, like, anthology-style franchises. Like, Cloverfield gave it a shot, and it, you know, had mixed results. But, like, with with this one, it's very specifically, like you said, it's, like, the potential to literally just rotate any type of group of people into it. You know, you can switch the time periods. You can go back and forth. It doesn't even have to, like, keep going forward. We got to have more Evil Dead period pieces. Yeah. Like, you know, like, there's there's so much Amish potential country. to it. Yeah. And this one made a lot of give money, too. So one. I was... Give me some cowboys. Mm-hmm. Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, it financially did really well. So if anything, it should serve more of a piece of just, like, Look at different directors' takes on it. Like I, this if anything, this is just like this is the blueprint for like when a remake not only like works but allows you to blow up in the franchise and just do whatever the hell you want with it. Yeah, like exactly. Give give one to Benson and Moorhead. Give me a Benson and Moorhead Evil Dead. Like just yeah, give it to different directors. I would. I would love it. Ooh. 
and I did see um, a week ago, I, I wasn't able to follow up on it research-wise, but Fede Alvarez uh, um, like very casually dropped that um, this Evil Dead and Sam Raimi's Drag Me to Hell are also connected oh. in some way. He said there's clues somewhere. I don't I couldn't find it when I was when we were watching, but apparently there's a connection. So if you guys want a little scavenger hunt, I guess uh watch Drag Me to Hell also. So it's been we a can long time since Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was gonna say if there's anybody that can like find those clues or sniff it out, it's literally any of our listeners. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we have a great listenership for that, so let us know what the connection is. I trust all of you to find it within like before I, before I even finish uploading this episode. <laughs> somehow <laughs> I will have already somehow. Uh no, I it's been a long time since I've seen Drag Me to Hell, but like there's a scene, it's uh before she cuts her arm off with the carving knife, but after she's been like bit. I feel like she's like squeezing it and maybe like bugs are coming out a little like black kind of inky. Like I wasn't sure if it was like just like pustules or if it was like bugs coming out, but like yeah. visually I feel like there's a connection there between that and drag me to hell. Cause I feel like there was a, a lot of like bug stuff. In drag oh, me to it hell. was just like yeah. these like inky little black pellets when she was squeezing oh, okay. it. Okay. Yeah. But I yeah, also saw I, those. I closed my eyes because I got trypophobia real bad. Um, uh, <laughs> not me. I was leaning in eyes wide open. Like, give me more baby. <laughs> Yeah, it could have been that or like or is like the necklace like that David gives her is that mentioned in I feel like that would have been like something that like might have been like connected to drag me to hell or something like that. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, Yeah. maybe there's something in the book. Now, uh, speaking of connections, Ah. uh, finding a pairing for this one was such a blast because there's so many like tonal things that we could have jumped on, right. whether it be the remake or the goopiness or maybe like, uh, uh, you know, j- sometimes we'll find like an actor giving like a certain kind of performance that we like find in a pairing. I, I was coming up blank a little bit on this one. <laughs> um, and then uh, Elijah pitched something that he apologized after uh, to me <laughs> anyways. So... And, and to, to you as well, Devon. Uh, but I, so here's the thing. I feel like <laughs> I have to, anytime I'm presenting this movie, I have to present it with the sort of sheepish, like, sorry, everyone. Uh, <laughs> but I also will say that it is unironically, just vi- like with all sincerity, one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my, my choice uh, for a martial arts feature to pair with uh, 2013 Evil Dead is... Broken Path, aka Attack of the Yakuza, aka apparently Broken Fist, which is a new title I just learned. It's got like three. For, like looking it up for this. Uh, which also shout out to the alternate title attack of the Yakuza, because I don't think they ever say the word Yakuza in the movie. Like they, they refer to it as an organization, but they never specifically say that's what we were. (laughs) You got to You got to never once. Yeah. It's just like the German Blu-ray that tells you that in the title. Uh, so amazing if you have, but have you ever seen this before? (laughs) I had not seen this one before. Uh, no, I did not. Um, but I did like, um, I, I do totally understand like presenting a movie with a caveat. Like this is 100% a movie. If you like have 10 people in a room, you know, seven of them are not going to like this movie. 
But those other three people, they're going to have a great time. You know, it's very much like that. Um, I, I, I actually have a sample size for this uh, because uh, <laughs> I programmed what may be the only North American theatrical screening of Broken Path, oh, uh, honey. which was at an Alamo Draft House in Denver uh, because for a while I was uh, programming and uh, introducing uh, like a martial arts film series there. And the creative director who I had like kind of, you know, created this series alongside and who was in charge of like acquiring the films and, you know, making sure we could actually program and screen them. Uh, he was uh, leaving the company under like not very good terms. And he was just like, hey, man, I don't know what the future of the series is going to be. He's like, at this point, as far as I know, you have three left. Uh program whatever you want because like everything up to that point had been like okay we got to find something that's accessible and like kind of mainstream but not like playing every month at like specialty screenings you know we like really tried to find like the most marketable and profitable ones and when mm -hmm. he was leaving and i thought it was going to be our last one i was like i'm doing broken path <laughs> and uh we had maybe 20 people show up and i think i was the only person who enjoyed it <laughs> <laughs> The, the projectionist actually yelled at me because ah. someone complained to the projectionist in the middle of the movie. I don't know if you noticed, uh, you can hear it on this YouTube upload, but it's way more severe in a theater like mix. Uh, the audio in certain scenes only comes through one channel. Like it's only the left speaker. Oh. And so you get this really like tin can audio where characters just sound far away. And when you're in a theater, it's really like egregious. And, uh, Some, somebody literally just didn't have a like input in all the way when yeah. recording the sound. That's hilarious. Oh my god! <laughs> and so somebody complained to the projectionist, and then he found me afterwards and was like, "You know, uh, someone came in there and accused me of not doing my job correctly because you forced me to screen this fucking movie from the director of Power Rangers." <laughs> and I was like, "Hell yeah, I did." <laughs> Uh, but having said all that, what did you think of Broken Path? Um, I definitely can see where the pairing came in. Because um, once the blood starts flowing in this one, um, or rather spraying, not flowing. Right. Uh, the, this movie, the blood sprays, and I'm uh, very happy with that. It's a lot of arterial um, blood sprays. <laughs> Yes, and I, I'm all for it. I'm a big Sweeney Todd fan, so like I'm all for uh, a good blood spray. And um, is this movie good? No, it's definitely not. Um, but because um, it, it does feel a tad long for some reason, it took me a long time to watch this movie. However, <laughs> um, I, once things get going, like I do like the idea of, hey, this is going to be just like once we get through the story stuff, this is 60 minutes at the same farmhouse just fighting the same four people. Yep. <laughs> That's like an interesting idea to me. Like as a, like uh, coming from like a filmmaker's side of it, like I'm like, okay, that's an interesting idea. How do you do it? How do you keep it fresh? Um, and can the stuff in between just be at least passable to get you to the action scenes? And it's just like, man, the, uh, like the dialogue when there are not fists being thrown, <laughs> 
the movie is so bad. It is like so family. And I, I feel like the because the stunt team is so good, like they are legitimately like a great stunt team and like yeah. incredible fighters. choreo. Right. And so like it legitimately has like wonderful fight scenes, like some fucking bangers in this movie. Really? And so I feel like the disparity between like really good fight scene and really <laughs> bad movie is maybe more like pronounced in this movie than anything I've seen where it's like the scenes where they're not fighting are so bad and the scenes when they're fighting are so good <laughs> but like it is yeah I, I mean the the connections being that it is you know it takes place with a small group isolated at like a you know sort of cabin farmhouse like you know feels very like we're alone at this house in the woods we're cut off from you know the next nearest person uh, it has a relentless pace, uh, like you said, with Evil Dead. Like, once it starts, it just goes. Uh, and also, someone's arm is sawed off. <laughs> <laughs> or sawn, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, a, a bloody, like, goopy movie. And there, there was temptation to pick something, uh, you know, that was just like, okay, like, buckets of gore to pair with Evil Dead. But I actually felt like, yeah, tonally and in terms of pace, this was kind of... Uh, the the best pick uh, mm-hmm. but yeah I really earnestly love this movie because it's the closest uh, as, as far as I'm aware it is the the closest that a feature film has ever come to being like all fight scene you know the ratio of <laughs> yeah. fight scene to not fight scene it is the script is like six pages long a hundred percent the script would be you could you could put it one page front and back and it would work I, I think that it's a 90-minute movie, and y- if you made an edit that was just the fight scenes, it would be a 70-minute movie, and I I love that and so And that's much. a lot of fight. It's so fun. <laughs> yeah, and like, as someone who genuinely just, like, you know, loves fight scenes and can watch them all day, like, even without context, like, that's the dream for me. You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. I want a 90-minute movie where people don't stop fighting for any reason, <laughs> and this is the yes. closest <laughs> that they've come with, I think, the second one, which is also in my top ten movies. Uh, Wait, there's a Ultraman. second one? No, no, oh. sorry. The second oh. one. <laughs> I, that like, would be I like, also no, lost no, my mind. <laughs> in, like, the number two spot for, like, most dense with action or the closest to being all fight is a, an Ultraman movie called Mega Monster Battle Galaxy Legend, the movie. And it is also directed by Koichi Sakamoto. Oh, my God. <laughs> this dude, has he's mostly directed Power Rangers, and then he's directed two of the best movies of all time. <laughs> he, he just loves him some fight. It's interesting because, like, because I've been, like, because that's, like, the, the type of action movie I gravitate towards. Like, I've, I've been recently, like, being sucked into more action films, trying to seek out mm-hmm. different types of action films, and specifically ones that just involve lots and lots of fighting and i watched a movie um a week ago um avengement starring oh, uh, scott atkins our boy scotty atkins we love him so much i mean that movie right there is 75 to 80 percent people getting their faces smashed in and then 20 percent of scott atkins telling a story in between but it works in that movie. The in-between stuff, like, actually works in between the fights in Avengement versus here. Well, Scott like, Adkins yeah, the... still the shit out of a lot. Yeah. Like, Scott Adkins, uh, my, like, first introductions to him are all through this podcast. Because, again, like, I, my basis is mostly 
horror like action is something that I started getting into through here. Um, but like, I didn't know that he like has these different like characters and personas that he was like known for in action. And they're all so vastly different from each other. Like a lot of these times, and this isn't a knock. These are still like incredibly talented dudes. A lot of the times these like action guys are amazing at the action pieces. The acting doesn't quite like catch up. Right. Like (laughs) if you put Jean-Claude Van Damme in anything, it's Jean-Claude Van Damme. As in whatever thing. he is. Yeah, he's just being Jean-Claude Van Damme. Like Ar- Arnold Schwarzenegger has always just been <laughs> Arnold. He cannot be anything no, else. Um, and I feel like Scott Adkins is one of those dudes where he can really like pull off everything. Right. He's like your clean cut all American dude. He's your cockneyed British gangster who's like been harrowed by the prison system. He's a Russian, you know, street <laughs> fighter. He he pulls it all off so well. And yeah, I, I love Avengement. The last like 15 minutes that's just like that bar brawl. Ugh, that's so such great. a fun movie. Yeah. Like, and yeah, so I like a movie that is just saturated in fists. And yeah. we get lots of that in this. Um, yeah, like, the thing I really liked about this was it feels like the same way the Evil Dead remake does. It's a great, I want to show you something movie. Like, it's a great <laughs> hangout for it's just like, I don't want to watch today. You know what? I'm going to pick something that no matter what, it's going to entertain us. It's true. And it's it's something you can definitely, like, put on in the background and just kind of look over at any point in time and be like, hell yeah. Hell yeah. I don't need to hear him talk. Yeah. I, <laughs> right. I also think, like, from a choreography choreography perspective, uh, they, they do some great stuff with it because, uh, yeah, it's like, how do you keep what is essentially one fight scene uh, between, you know, four people interesting for that long. And I, I guess, you know, the, the real answer is that like, if you're not a dude like me, uh, you don't like, you're not going to hold everyone's attention. (laughs) Uh, But for someone like me that is like on board for that, like this is a stunt team that definitely has worked together, you know, a lot under a director (laughs) that they've all worked with a lot. And that's something that I love because when you have guys who are very like comfortable with each other and like familiar with each other, like they spar together, you know, they've done this sort of thing before. There's this comfort level of like, I know exactly how close I can come to hitting you to sell this. I know exactly how hard I can hit you and no one gets hurt. So you get fights that are like a little rougher. There's a little more like meat to it, you know, like they're, there's definitely scenes where you can tell like they're making contact like they are beating each other up a little and like you have you know one guy who uh i i hadn't like noticed this before but like we're watching it in the opening credits i was like oh that's a thai last name one of these dudes is thai like i you know i wonder which one it is and then once they start fighting i'm like oh that dude is thai i can tell because all of his choreo is like muay thai like he's doing clinches he's throwing Mm -hmm. elbows and knees and so i'm like oh yeah like he's choreographed the way Uh, he fights and, you know, different characters like have kind of their unique styles that, you know, presumably these guys do in real life. But like the way they, they break it up where it's like, okay, we're, we're fighting indoors and it's two on one and this guy has a weapon and then like, okay, we're outside and it's one on one, but like we both have, you know, a stick now and they like find ways to just give you like every permutation of fight where like, Sometimes it's a knife fight. Sometimes it's, you know, a fist fight. Sometimes it's two on two, which is maybe like my favorite Mm -hmm. one where they're like, uh, it's Johnny Young Bosch and uh, what's his name? Daniel Southworth, I think, uh, are like teamed up back to back. And they do a lot of cool like 
double dragon style team yep. up moves which <laughs> synced up and everything like the yep. synced up like twist kicks and stuff like that's and that's oh, why so i feel cool. the that's why i feel the power ranger flair you know in power yep. rangers they always have like choreographed moves together and like i definitely felt that um and well uh, and for sure these dudes are former power rangers johnny young bosch and daniel southworth were different generations of power ranger which i love <laughs> I didn't know the other guy was, um, but yeah, our main our main boy who played uh, Adam in the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. I remember as a kid, I always felt a way about him because he replaced Zach, and I was like butthurt about that. So I always felt yeah, a way about that. Valid. But then watched you know my Morphin Power Rangers a few years ago as a bisexual man. I feel a very different way about Adam in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that. So shout out to our boy Adam. I, he makes a, he, a he's, he he pulls the daddy look too. He pulls off the daddy look here too. So um, mm-hmm. shout out to Adam. And he's from he's from Kansas City, Missouri. I'm from Missouri. So random connection there. Oh, ah. heck yeah! No, I I love uh, the yeah the lead Johnny Young Bosch. Uh, yeah, he he was uh, that very attractive Power Ranger. Uh, but he's also maybe most well known for uh, voice acting. He's a hugely prolific voice actor, and so it's kind of like mm. if you've watched like an English dub of any anime in the last twenty years, you've for sure heard him. He was uh, Vash the Stampede and Trigon. He was uh, Ichigo. Really? Uh, he's in like uh, he's in everything. Yeah, he's, he's in, in like, the new Whoa. Evangelion. Yeah, he's in Evangelion, like Naruto, uh, Sailor Moon, uh, and then also a ton of video games. Uh, yeah, so like, l- like scroll his uh, like his Wikipedia. He's like, got that voice. He's got that voice. Yeah, you'll, you'll he does got the like, voice. Oh, I've heard this dude in like fifteen different things. Yeah, uh, good for him. Good for him on a really prolific career, like on, you know, starting off on something like Power Rangers, and then a lot of them don't end up going on to do much. So that's really cool that he kind of carved out this niche and like held this relationship with this director. So and like kind of how you said, like the the team like had that that comfort and trust in it. Like you definitely like see that. But then like I also just like how they use the geography and stuff. It's like very inspired by like old school you know kung fu movies but also you see like the little power ranger flares in there like i totally see it i love it yeah no same i also it feels very much like as a group of people who like presumably you know first worked together on power rangers and were kind of most well known for that it feels like a really deliberate uh like sort of petulant like rebellion or like uh, counterpoint to Power Rangers because you have a group of villains who have like different colored masks and are like this uh-huh. uniform <laughs> team of like evil Power Rangers, but they're all you know like murderers, and it's it's bloody and violent in a way that is you know like a thirteen year old being like fuck you I don't like Power Rangers I like I like cool shit where people get their heads <laughs> cut off <laughs> and like I mean there's like, literally no reason for, for the masks. There's there's no reason for the mask. He knows who they all are. The masks are just because. <laughs> so very very much felt like a deliberate like uh, Power Rangers nod because like there's no reason for it. So that yeah. that kind of yeah. cracked me up that they all have like these signature looks with for movies, no reason. 
Yeah, with maybe the exception of the one dude who, like, we never see his face. And when the mask comes off, he's like, uh, and puts it back on. Like, he's maybe hideous, but we, we don't know. That one's not really explained. <laughs> yeah, she just, like, shrieks and we see um, Lisa's reaction. But, yeah, they don't show his face. And it was like, yeah, what was up with his face? Like, I want to see that. <laughs> yeah. But no, otherwise, like, they all show up in masks and then almost immediately take their masks off, which I love. So good. Now, I have to ask, uh, did this work as a double feature? Oh, yeah, I would definitely say it uh, functions well as a double feature, yeah. Because yes. uh, with the, the arm getting sawed off, uh, the, the blood sprays, like, um, it definitely, and, like, the, just the, the relentlessness of it, you know, like, like, um whenever um broken path like isn't you know bogged down by the dialogue scenes in between but it you know still carries that same momentum but and these two movies they both have uh some great quotables in them but for like very different reasons like evil dead has some like really great quotes like uh, i always love at the very beginning i'll rip your soul out daddy uh the way the demon says that so great but then there was a there was an exchange in Broken Path that just like killed me. It's um where Lisa and Jack they're having the stereotypical fight of like I want to know what's in your past because now I'm in this dangerous situation. He like still refuses to tell her, and then she's just like, "You have to tell me what's going on." And he goes, "I can't." And she goes, "Why?" And he just yells, "Because I can't." And I was like. <laughs> Yes. I was like, wow. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. I also like there's no reason not to at that point. There's literally no reason. He just, I, yeah. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> the one the one that got me was uh the first time she sees him fight because earlier in the movie they make a point of saying he's just a computer geek. He's not very tough. But like the first time she sees him fight, she says, where did you learn those moves? I was like telling Vanessa, I was like, promise me that if you ever see me get into a fight, no matter how the fight goes, just promise me that afterwards you'll exclaim, where did you learn those moves? I wrote that line down too. Oh my God, that killed me. Like, absolutely so kill me. But yeah, <laughs> Her you, face in terror was... Uh, for, thank you both for watching Broken Path. I, it's a weird uh, like hobby of mine, I guess, at this point, to force people to watch this movie <laughs> and demand that they enjoy it. But uh, I, I, I love these two back to back. I will say it is an exhausting double feature. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a... Uh, bit of an exhausting double but these are both like really great like when you like watch it with somebody to be like hey did you see that like this is both of those movies like have just like numerous of those moments like as you're watching it to be like did you see that crazy like you know fight run like you know that like shot that lasted like 60 seconds of just like straight like boom like super cool um and i think the double feature uh worked worked really well uh what would be on the marquee uh to to sell it to passerby oh what would we call this yeah i had a little bit of a joint which is why i said sell it to passerby (laughs) (laughs) um if i was Mm. if i was uh doing this um 
if I was doing this as like a a co-opted production through my podcast, Blade Blunt Cinema Club, it would be this would be the uh, Bloody Fists Cinema Club double feature. Ooh, I very much like the name of uh, that and also it being a collab with Bloody Blunts because uh, this is also, uh, I without me realizing it, the exact kind of thing I would pair for myself as a 420 double feature. Uh, um, yeah. Because the last time I went to the theaters for a triple feature, it was um, Waxwork, Army of Darkness, and The Beyond. Nice. Which are all just like things mm-hmm. that like hit real good when you're just having like joints in a parking lot with friends. Oh yeah, or or like these two movies are like the perfect edible timers because like you know it takes about twenty to thirty minutes yes. to kick oh, in, but then when yeah. the edible kicks in for these movies, like it's actually <laughs> would be at like the perfect timing. And yeah, and you just buckle up. And, and have a good, good time. <laughs> a real good time. Uh, and uh, what would we have at concessions? I'm trying to think. Um, uh, <clears throat> definitely like a red Slurpee. Red Slurpee. That's good. I was going to say, I feel like maybe a, maybe some turkey, because that turkey carver is just oh. stuck in my head. But like, just a, just one of the giant turkey legs from Six Flags. <laughs> Cause like I'm trying to think of the aspect for broken. Yeah, the fist the one too, the cause... one from Six Flags specifically. The oh, sorry, we're a little off sync. A Six a Flags turkey leg, and uh, a a Slurpee. I'm trying to think of like a broken fist aspect that could be like added to the Slurpee to like tie it in. Maybe sake. Oh, it's spiked with sake. Yeah, they are. They are. Ooh. Yeah, so a sake spiked Slurpee and a Six Flags turkey leg. <laughs> Specifically the Six It has to be the Six leg. Flags one. I was trying to think for Broken Path, mm. I was like, the only thing that anyone eats is that he bites off a guy's ear. <laughs> but like this. Oh, yeah. Off. He totally does. Oh, I love, I love when he bit the ear off. Because it was like, first he got bit, and then he goes, oh, you're, we're biting now in this fight? And then he literally rip, takes his ear off. Yeah, that's... And, and that's a uh, uh, same consistency as the turkey leg. Yeah. yeah, that's true. As that like barbecued skin on the outside. So like it it all works together. And honestly, I would be thrilled if that was my movie snack. Same. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, uh, thank you so much for joining us. You've been fantastic, and I love this movie combination together. So I'm very excited we got the whole thing together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thank, thank you so you much for, for having me. Yeah, thank you for uh, finally getting me to watch a uh, new Evil Dead because I really loved it. Yes, I'm so glad that I could get a fresh reaction from one of you for uh, from this. Um, definitely like one of my favorite things, and like especially coming from like a fan, then you like appreciate the way it like should be appreciated. Um, I mean, I think most people enjoy it for the most part, but um. This yeah. uh, double double feature pairing uh, definitely made for a nice Sunday morning. Not wouldn't say relaxing Sunday morning, but a a, a nice one nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> it got it got the blood flowing. It got the blood pumping. Yes, it did. <laughs> and where can people find you if they want to get more into the Devon business? 
Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Daddy Disco. Um, mainly tweeting about movies and Instagram is where you can see uh, some of my photography and video things that I do. And then um, I host a podcast, the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club, where we explore the subgenres of horror. So every month we have a different theme, uh, whether it be a franchise or like a specific subgenre to dive into. And uh, I have uh, various guests on that come on and uh, we get real stoned and talk about movies. So uh, definitely check that out on any podcast platform. And we'll definitely have to have Vanessa and Elijah on uh, very soon. I would love that. Uh, And you can find the podcast under Kick Scream Pod on all forms of social media where you can interact with our amazing producer, Sam. Uh, Also, if you want more Kick Scream content, we have a Patreon up that you can find the link for on our socials as well. Uh, You can find me under at Ness Gritton on all forms of social media. Still got to get that last name changed. Very difficult to do in a panty. Uh, And uh, Elijah, where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me at a remote cabin in the woods, uh, opening books that uh, I probably shouldn't. Uh, and you can also find me on Twitter. I'm at Elijah underscore pizza. And as always, uh, do what you can to support your local movie theaters because we all want a place to come back to as soon as this whole thing is over. And we love you. Bye. Bye.